Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Amrit Singh. Amrit has a long history of kundalini yoga. He also is a life coach for people and he helps people kind of get their spirituality and their life goals together. This is such an amazing episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Check me out on Instagram at Noor Kidwai. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check me out there too. Guys, let's get into this week's episode. My guest this week, Amrit Singh. Welcome to another episode of God Ye or Nay. Today I'm here with my man Am- Amrit Singh. Amrit, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This was going to be a lot of fun. Um, you you are kind of like the intersection of like the two kind of areas this podcast loves to go on. Um, a little bit on the self-development kind of performance area and then also like on the spiritual side and you kind of connect those things uh you call yourself a high performance life coach and i know you got a background in uh, kundalini yoga so uh, i i really love this uh you want to kind of maybe give us a little bit of a background of what you do yeah totally so for me it's really the the high performance comes in and why do we do all these things you know why do we want to live a spiritual lifestyle why do we want to eat healthy why do we want to keep our body like a temple in this beautiful shape and form if you just end up sitting in a cave somewhere on top of the mountain uh, to live 300 years old sure that's one way but the other way which i propagate more is to say okay you know let's develop a sharp mind let's develop a powerful intuition Let's have a healthy body and let's use all these tools to go back into the world and do good with it and uplift people and support, you know, things I care about and I'm passionate about and really have the energy to do what I want to do and and live my life's dream. I love that. And I know I really find that an interesting message when it comes to spirituality and I, it's honestly, this is something I've always struggled with a little bit, because I know whenever we get into spirituality, we a lot of people talk about, like, get rid of your desires, you know, or get rid of your want to become something or become rich or want to become better and stuff like that. Like me being a comedian, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I want to be a really good comedian. I want people to kind of be like I like what you're doing and I I enjoy when people tell me that and I want to make money and maybe have like a little bit of a following how do you reconcile that part of your mind with the part that's saying like with the spiritual part yeah oh that's been a struggle for me too for over 25 years because on one hand I felt this really strongly this this detachment to, oh, I don't want to be the person who who wants money. I don't want to be the person who who just does things so they can earn money. I don't want to be the person who who cares to have a big car and who cares to have a big house. But then I, you know, not so quickly realized it took me several years where I was like, hey, 
I enjoy living in a nice house. I enjoy providing for my family. I enjoy getting in a car which doesn't fall apart when I'm driving it and which is big enough for all of us to be comfortable in. And that requires money. And so I, you know, it's almost like I came full circle after experimenting. I lived in India for 20 years, you know, and India is, is rough. It's rough to live in India. There's a lot of challenges. The climate is heavy. You know, there's not, you can't just go to Whole Foods and pick up your supplements. I mean, it's, it's a challenging thing. So, you know, like, I feel like this, oh, you, you should, you know, everything which starts with you should, you can usually like throw that in the trash can, but this, <laughs> you, you should have a, you know, have no desires comes from this teaching of, hey, when, when your energy and your vibration goes to such a high level where you're really just, you know, one with the universe. Sure, you don't have any desires. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But that's not the approach for us, you know, having this human experience on this planet where we have a family, where we have a sex drive, where we get hungry, you know, where we have these human, very normal human experiences. And suddenly it turns into this, oh, but I have to be desireless. Mm -hmm. And then the shame and the guilt come in. And the shame and the guilt are probably one of the most low frequencies you can be in as a human being. And so the second you're trying to get to the high frequency of enlightenment and desirelessness, and you're trying to do this through shame, guilt, and fear, and all these heavy emotions, you're never going to get there. That's so what I realize is, you know, that's not the way. The way is to, to step, you know, go slowly up the ladder and say like, oh, yeah, I do have desires. And I do like sex, you know, and I do like having a nice car and I want money in my bank account. And that's okay. But I, I need a little bit less than when I was 18, because I developed a lot of, in those years. Oh, that's a beautiful way of saying it. And I... I know I love how you said that, like you should never because I think when you do that full renunciation approach, you're all of a sudden trying to stop your desires. It feels like I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, maybe you totally. can kind of. Yeah, because like uh, no, maybe, no, because you can't. I yeah, you can't. And uh, <laughs> any I, and like I, I, my whole idea of spirituality, where I've come from um, and what I've learned in my life is to just accept a lot and be non-judgmental so like when something comes up like a desire like whatever it is if it comes up like accept it and kind of be non-judgmental and see where it goes and just be aware of it and then you can kind of question it afterwards if this is something you want is this like something useful for you and all of that but i, I do like how you said um like you know this is these are normal drives in us and it's okay to have that and don't yeah i love that don't put the shame in there don't like when when you do that it it just hurts you yeah and it pulls you down and it drops your energy and you feel depleted and nothing is fun anymore and the whole color gets sucked out of life and it, that's the exact opposite from what we're doing in spirituality which is to reconnect with our true identity which is to have everything you know i like mm. this the, the yin and yang because it has you know, both sides of this world of duality. And even the white side has the black dot in it because it will not exist without. And so it's this beautiful thing that, that everything 
can only exist in this in this game and in this flow of life. Mm-hmm. So when you went to India back in the day, so you said you lived there for 20 years. What what do you see with like the kind of like the spiritual practitioners that love to go to India to practice? Because I know this is something that is very popular, like a lot of people coming from like all over the world to go to India is is this renunciation kind of uh, very popular there and the approach to spirituality? And uh, did you find yourself in that uh, position first? Oh, I felt certainly like that. You know, I had this whole idea of, oh, my God, I'm going to India and I'm going to, you know, get enlightened and this and that. And then I very quickly hit the realities of, oh, my God, it's it's over 100 degrees here. And, <laughs> you know, like the, the, it's so rough. And I I had diarrhea for two weeks straight and I feel like crap and I'm trying to do my spiritual practices and I'm hating everything. I'm just thinking like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? (laughs) You know, there was nothing beautiful and spiritual about this was all just pain and suffering. (laughs) And I think like one of the things which I've seen, because I've been there a long time, so I've seen a lot of people coming through exactly with this intention of, oh, my God, India is going to solve all my problems. It's it's a little bit like thinking, you know, to to train to climb Mount Everest is going to solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like as you're climbing Mount Everest, you're going to get frostbite, you're going to get blisters on your feet, you're going to like have to deal with your fears, your insecurities, your doubt with all those things. They're all going to come to the forefront where you're like, why am I doing this? Am I am I insane? I should have just stayed home how my parents told me and be safe. And I'm going out here risking my life, you know. And so it's this journey to the top of the mountain, which suddenly when you reach the top of the mountain and you look back and it all becomes worth it. Mm. But while you are in the journey, it's no fun at all. It's just (laughs) hard work. And like, how do you uh, now approach like uh, speaking to people who might be in their 20s who make these like life decisions to like begin this kind of spiritual journey um do you like because you like you said they have an idea in their mind and a lot of times they're cling to an idea which is technically not really uh the spiritual message at all but uh what do you like because you know 20 year olds like i remember we're stubborn right when we're young oh, yeah, so, totally. so like uh, how do you approach talking with them what what I find is what's really the the key, which is very easy to relate to another human, is towards the heart, you know, and towards love and towards care and to say like, okay, what do you love about yourself? Why do you want to go on this spiritual journey? You know, like I was just chatting with one, a younger guy and he was saying, yeah, and I'm practicing these breath practices and I want to be able to hold my breath out for this many minutes and I want to be able to do all these things and saying look these are all just tools it's like you know i want to be able to make it to the top of the mountain but you need to really know why you're making it to the top of the mountain why are you going on this journey and it's it's about going inwards and connecting with yourself and connecting with your heart and really knowing what this is all about for you and -hmm. it's so different for everybody Mm -hmm. because then the why becomes clear and then all the hard work makes sense. No, that's actually a really uh, nice way to put it. And it's and I like how you say it. It's like 
you are just guiding the person to go inside of themselves, right? Yeah, exactly. And doing their little bit of their own uh, searching, which I like. Yeah, and then there's there's cool stuff, you know, like I, I went deep down the path of Kundalini Yoga. So I have a deep understanding on how the Kriyas work, how the meditations work, what you can do if you use mantras, if you, you know, if you use certain breathing techniques, all that stuff is amazing. It's amazing tools. You know, like I, I wear my beard and my turban not so much because I identify as a Sikh, but because I found for myself that when I have a beard, I feel better than when I don't have a beard. So I'm like, why would I not have a beard? It feels good. I like it. It, it helps me on my spiritual journey. You know, when mm. I have my, my turban, I mean, I have long hair. And so, for example, when I, when I have my hair down and I wash it, it like it's so annoying you know it goes in my face goes in my mouth i eat something i'm like shit i don't <laughs> have long hair it's so annoying but to have long hair helps me to go deeper in my meditation so what i found is if i tie it in a knot and i put a turban around it it feels great you know it really allows my brain to function better mm. and so that's why i wear a turban and yeah, sure, you know, like it might, you know, I get still called Osama on the street, you know, even like all these years later and those kinds of things. But so what, you know, it's it's my choice, it's my path, which I'm traveling. In. Mm -hmm. And does Sikhism have uh, any connection with yoga at all? It, my teacher who came to the US in the 60s, he was teaching Kundalini Yoga because he learned that when he was young and he was a Sikh. And okay. so his students started asking about the turban and the Sikhism things. And, you know, and so his students started copying it. And he, at some point, combined the two paths, you know, used some mantras from Sikhism and used them in the Kundalini Yoga practice. And he just said, look, it goes hand in hand, because if you work on your purification process, you know, if that's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, but it really both the parts kind of complement each other. And okay. so you combined it, but the, the, the regular Sikhs don't practice yoga. It's actually, you know, in the, in the Sikh teachings, they, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about, Hey, it's not about practicing yoga. It's all about connecting with the Nam and with the sound. And that's how you connect to your higher consciousness. So they, they very much speak against yoga, actually, in the traditional Sikh texts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like, uh, I, I like that, like, Kundalini yoga is like something that I think is such a beautiful practice. I've, I've, I haven't done a lot of it, but every time I do it, I've, I've noticed like the powerful, how powerful it is, like with the breath and movement together and the different types of breathing techniques. Um, yeah. And like, you kind of look at this as like a purification purification process then in yeah. itself, right? Just it's a tool. It's I mean, when I sit down and I practice my yoga career, I walk away feeling different. And I can choose, you know, it's like same, like, you can talk to any runner, the days they don't run, they feel the difference, because they say like, hey, I, I need that to feel normal. I need that for my nervous system to be in balance. I can feel how it feels when my hormonal system is is balanced and I feel good and I feel myself and I mm. feel more alert. And that's why I'm doing it. Not doing it because I think it, you know, makes me this amazing person. I can walk around and tell everybody how they are less worth than me. But <laughs> really just to be, you know, to be to be able to give back more to the world. And again, it comes back to the why. 
you know, why am I sitting my ass down to practice yoga? You know, like no one wants to sit there for 45 minutes and do some hard stuff and hold your arms in the air or stretch your legs or do anything. But if I walk away from this being a better father, being a better husband, being a better member of the society, that's that's motivation enough for me. Heck yeah. No, that's actually, uh, I like that. That's really beautiful. And uh, do you, when you're doing your coaching, do you use like Kundalini in your coaching as well? I do not directly where I say, you know, like you need to do this Kriya and you need to do this meditation. But I mean, I use all my knowledge, which got me to this point. Really like the, the most important thing which I took from my yoga practice and applied to the coaching is self-discipline, mm. you know, because in the coaching, it really comes back down to like the same thing, like in a new year's resolution, you know, which we all know so well, where we're saying like, I'm going to go running every day and I'm never going to drink alcohol again. And that's my new year's resolution. Right. And that lasts for like a week, 10 days. And then you're like, ah, you know, like running is really hard and it really sucks to be the only person drinking water at a party, you know? Yeah. And so you come to this point where you're like, eh, you know, forget about this. And so what I work on with the coaching is that level of self-discipline to really, we, we bring it back to the why, where we say, okay, why do you want to go running every day? And then you have this whole list of, you know, it does this for me. I feel like this. I become a better partner to my girlfriend. I, I you know, I'm in shape. I like when I look in the mirror, you know, like the, the list is long. And so that's what motivates you. And so in my coaching, I bring that in to say like, look, it's about the discipline. It's about you applying yourself. And it doesn't matter if it snows outside or if it rains or if it's, you know, you had a long night you're still getting up the next morning and you're doing your running because you made that commitment to yourself. Mm. And that continuation of that over a period of month is what creates the effect and what creates the habits and the habits is what changes your life. Okay. And so like your whole idea in coaching is to start with why, which I love that idea, like, because that's how you kind of put it in your subconscious to be like, this is something that is extremely important to me and uh, it'll like be able to kind of be easier to do it, I would assume. And then when you want, then you create the habits that kind of create the life you want. Well, what it does is it makes it a little bit easier to still get up if you don't want to get up because this still happens to me, you know, all the time, you know, that I lie in bed and my alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. But I do know if I don't get up, I will not have the time later to do my same morning practice I could do if I wake up early. Mm. And so because I'm so clear on what the practice gives me, it helps me to get over that small hump and just get out of bed and, you know, like get ready and then get into my practice, which is the much easier part after I'm already. Ready. And what kind of practice do you uh, do in the morning? What I do is I, I wake up and then get ready. You know, sometimes I take a cold shower because that really helps strengthen the nervous system and wake you up, even if it's just one, two, three minutes. And then I sit, I do a little stretching. I do a little breathing. I do a little spinal movements and then I meditate. And I, I usually do an hour, an hour and a half, depending on when the kids wake up and start yeah. <laughs> demanding attention. And so, again, you know, it comes back down to 
okay, if I want to have that quiet time before the kids wake up, I need to wake up at 5.36 because if I don't, then I don't have the time. So choice, it's on me. That's the powerful thing in it too. You know? mm -hmm. I, I don't have to say like, oh, the reason I don't meditate is because I have kids and they make noise. You know, the reason I do meditate is because I make it a priority and I wake up early. Oh, that's very cool. And what kind of meditation do you do? I do... You know, like a Sikh-inspired practice where, you know, in the Sikh, there's this morning prayer. It's called Japji Sahib. And it's really just an expression of, of the beauty of the universe and this journey on this planet. And it's read in traditional Gomuki. So it's similar to Sanskrit. It's based on that. So the sounds of the words represent the meaning of the words. So they're very closely connected. Mm -hmm. So in this practice, it's really just like to enjoy the poem and to to really become really present and connected to to every being and every you know cell in this in this universe. Mm -hmm. And like that's what I always love about meditation. Even like if it's like different types of it, like it always comes back to like bringing yourself into that presence and like bringing yourself into a little bit of a flow, I think, because I, I, you need to do that. And I think like how you're saying with like high performance coaching, if you're telling people to kind of become better in their lives or help them get better in their lives where they're trying to perform at a higher rate, you need to be able to find that presence or find that like flow state and stuff like that. And uh, no, I love that. I can see how you're doing that every day will kind of make you very familiar with where that uh, place lies and you're inside of you, right? So you can kind of connect with that very easily. Yeah, exactly. Because this is really what it comes down to, you know, and this, this is like one of the things they found out in research, you know, that when you're in a stressful situation or in an, an emergency response, you will never rise to the level of what you theoretically could be doing you know, when you're really calm and when you're in a really good state of mind and you're really compassionate and kind, but you'll always fall back to the lowest level of your training. Mm. And so if your training is a continuous meditation habit, when those stressful situations happen, you automatically can come back to, hey, I can hold this together. This is not going to overwhelm my nervous system. This is not going to throw me out of whack and I turn into this crazy you know, person where everybody is like, hey, dude, you know, like we need to check on Amrit Singh. You know, he's not well. And you are thinking like, oh my God, I'm doing so great and I'm telling everybody off, right? So it's this, the, the reason I do the, the continuous practice is because in my life, this happens on a regular basis. You know, I'm married, I have kids, I, I have work, you know, I live in this world. Shit happens all the time. And it really allows me to just be that little bit more calmer, that little mm. bit more patient, that little bit kinder, that little bit softer in my response. And yeah, I fuck up all the time too. And you can ask my <laughs> wife about that. She'll tell you plenty. But you know, like it's a practice. That's why we, we never come to this point where we're saying, oh, now I meditated for 30 years. Now I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, no, it's, it's like, it's about coming back to this every single day. It's so essential. Mm -hmm. And I, you said it a few times about the nervous system, and it's about kind of having a little bit of your own 
ability to regulate your own nervous system, right? Oh yeah, totally. And isn't that kind of like Kundalini kind of teaches us that, like quite yeah, a what, bit? Yeah, what what it does is Kundalini Yoga does it as a side effect, basically. It it helps you rebalance your nervous system. Okay, you know, it's like it's this thing like if if you live off junk food, uh, you drink a lot of alcohol every day, you smoke two packs of cigarettes. And you live and you work as a day trader, you know, and <laughs> trading, you know, Forex. Guess what happens to your nervous system? Your nervous system is trashed. Yeah. You know? Like, and then now imagine you're getting in a situation where you get in an argument with your wife and it, you completely just lose it because there's no way of con containing your response. You know, mm -hmm. like your emotions will overwhelm you. You think your your childhood traumas will pop his head up and be like, oh, but why are you talking to me like this? Ha, My dad ha. used to say these mean things to me and whatever it is, right? But it gets you to a point where you'd, and even our language has, has a word for it, is you're losing. Mm -hmm. So you're losing that control. And, you know, that's how horrible things happen. That's how people like end up committing murder or rape or like horrible things because they do not have this ability to self-regulate. Hmm. No, and uh, I, I know what you're saying. And like, I, I, I've been like, I, I've struggled with my own like anxiety and stuff like that for years. And uh, I, I realized how much of that is just my nervous system freaking like just uh going haywire sometimes because it uh, perceives a threat somewhere and then that mm -hmm. like just affects like my inner turmoil and my body so much and even if i'm sometimes on the outside i look completely calm but on the inside i'm just going nuts and uh i i know like sometimes you need to find ways to calm down that uh inner turmoil or just settle down that nervous system yeah Oh, totally. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's, uh, there's many ways to do that. And that's the cool thing. You can practice yoga, you can change your diet, you can practice, you know, speaking in a certain way. You can, I mean, the, the list is so long. And like a big one, for example, is sugar. You know what sugar does to the nervous system? You see it when you give, you know, like a big candy bar to a five-year-old and see what happens. You know, like they bounce off the walls, you know, they start crying, they they feel elated and amazing. And then two hours later, they have the big breakdown. It's like, oh, <laughs> right? I mean, we're just like that. We're, the problem we have as humans, especially as adult humans, is we have learned how to fake it really well. You know, mm -hmm. like you were speaking about, like when you have all this turmoil going on, you just want to throw a big tantrum, but you've learned to be really calm and to look calm from the outside and to pretend to be well. And then someone asks you, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> so because in our society, we're really, you know, we created this society of pretenders. Mm. And so what happens is you pretend and then your wife pretends too. And then you're both just playing this, this doll game of, ha, 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 look how happy we're in our relationship. But both of you are suffering and breaking down on the inside. And so... This is where the where the challenge comes in, where you say like, okay, you know, sure, yeah, my life would be much easier if my wife would just change and be a better version of herself. But apparently, you know, I don't have any influence on that. Mm -hmm. So what I can do is work on myself and allow myself to just be a better version of myself, have a stronger nervous system, you know, know how much alcohol I drink. 
you know, know how my many cigarettes I want to smoke, know what it does if I smoke a big joint and I'm completely stoned afterwards, you know, like to understand how these things have an impact on me and then make my choices. Mm-hmm. And so you would say like what you consume, your diet even included, like that has a huge impact on your spirituality. Huge, huge. Your diet, the way you sleep, the way you live, the way, you know, how much water you drink. I mean, all these things are such integral parts in a spiritual practice that that's the first stuff I work on with people who say, oh, I want to learn to to deepen my meditation. And I will say like, okay, how do you eat? You know, what kind of substances do you take? How, how many hours do you sleep? What do you, these are the first things you need to get clear on. And, you know, if I have someone who says like, oh yeah, I like partying and I like just living off junk food and I only sleep three hours a night, and say, you're going to have a hard time learning to meditate deeply and connect with yourself and connect with with this energy which is available around all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you think? What do you think about diet then? Like you're like, how about your own personal diet? Like, did did you have to do a lot of experimentation with that to kind of find out what works for you? I played around with it quite a bit. And there's there's a couple of different pathways to take. I found that the easiest for me to sustain is a vegetarian diet because what I find is I never really liked eating meat since I'm a kid. And so at some point I just was able to to voice that. And then I, I went vegetarian when I was 16 or 17. And yeah, because what a vegetarian diet does, a healthy vegetarian diet, you have to add, is it allows you to get in touch with your meditation at a much deeper level Mm -hmm. because, you know, like for example, if you consume a lot of meat that allows you to get, get in touch with your warrior aspect of yourself, you know, like when it's really about like, you know, like imagine a tiger or lion or these animals who are really like, they have that power, you know, there's a lot of strength. There's, it's all about the physical body. It's about being faster than your prey, because if you're not, you're going to die because you don't <laughs> eat. You know, they can't digest grass or just eat some fruit. So they have to go down that path. And then you have the, the other aspect. You know, when you look at the animal kingdom, you see like the elephant or the gorilla or all these huge animals, which are super powerful, which are vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And they have this ability to become really calm. And to to be really go really inwards, and so having a vegetarian diet helps me with my meditative practice. So just that simple, you know. Yeah, that's very interesting. I like it's interesting because like I uh, I kind of went uh, to an acupuncturist a while back, and like uh, just because I was having like uh, kind of like some back pain issues. And uh, one thing he told me, like when he was reading my pulse, he was saying like he wants me to eat more meat to kind of increase my circulation, increase my hormones and like it'll help like uh, rebuild tissue and stuff. And honestly, it did work. My energy levels did go up quite a bit. But I do realize like after I eat meat and I like became aware of this quite a bit because I have been eating a lot more meat, it does like slow down my energy like right after for a while 
and uh my attention kind of gets a little wavier so i and like i know like i know the whole idea of like when you're eating like mm-hmm. a vegetarian diet or a lighter diet at least you can you become like a lot more sensitive to your body and you can kind of oh, yeah. feel you can feel yourself a lot more and like how you said calm yourself down a lot easier so it's uh it's very interesting and like i, I do kind of find the it like kind of funny how like sometimes your diet needs to change like during your life is kind of just part of your own pathway right yeah it's part of your development too Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's people also you can go all the way into the extremes you know you can i experimented with that for a couple months when i was younger where i did a fruitarian diet where i only ate fruit right so that was super intense because the way you do it is you eat one type of fruit a meal so for example for my breakfast i would have apples and i was working physically at the time and i needed a lot of energy so i ended up eating like 10 apples and i had never done this before Jeez. like by apple eight my jaw started getting sore because of the chewing you know yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it took me like an hour to chew eight apples a long time How so these that... kinds of things you know have challenges in them i i wouldn't bet so like what uh, did you notice when you did this kind of fruit diet Sorry, you broke up. I couldn't. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said, like, what did you notice when you did this uh, fruit diet? Like, how did it like, could you get the energy to do physical work out of that? Yeah, I did. I mean, if I if I did have enough apples and it, it worked, it was a lot of work to prepare and to have my meals planned and have the fruit in the house. You know, there's none being lazy and just be like, oh, I just go to the you know fridge and grab something. You know, you need to have it really organized. What what I felt with it, I felt very clear. I felt very connected. My intuition was working really strongly. I I mean, my body felt really light. It was a lot of benefits in it. But on the other hand, it created a lot of issues in my social life. You know, you go out with friends to the pizzeria and you, you pop your bananas on the table and start eating bananas and everybody else is like, okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these kinds of challenges. I also, I went a little bit more extreme at one point too, and I experimented with a breatharian approach. I don't know how much you know about that. You know, where you, where you live off air, you don't. Oh, you are don't you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and that, you know, when I, when I practiced that, it was just a short time I did it for three weeks is I realized I really, I'm not ready to live that kind of lifestyle. That's the lifestyle you you live as a yogi, again, on top of the mountain, in your little cave, where you meditate 22 hours a day, and then there's no need to eat, and there's no need to sustain your physical body. You know, it's all just about going deep into the experience. But that, it, it really disconnected me from my friends. It disconnected me from my family. It connected, disconnected me from, you know, for us humans, it's very common to come together and share a meal and connect in this way and say, I cook this and you eat what I cooked. And it's a, it's a very social activity. And again, you know, if you're the one guy on the table who just goes like, eh, I just live off air. You guys enjoy your food. Yeah, yeah. But the human body is capable of doing it. That's the amazing thing. 
Uh, like honestly that's very amazing i've never heard of that though uh breathitarian which is uh pretty hilarious so but i can yeah. understand that like uh if you're like on top of that mountain meditating for uh, 22 hours a day i can completely understand like yeah, yeah. that you can put your body into those places where it doesn't like it kind of doesn't need any extra energy yeah and that's the thing like then it's then it's practical to be breathitarian mm. it's not practical to to be a vegan and then the winter comes and there's no vegetables <laughs> nothing to eat you know that doesn't go no i get that um all right so like just like kind of like uh because my audience i would say like a lot of them are into spirituality and they put these spiritual practices into their life but they're also in the real world like we were talking about and they have their own goals and uh you know they want to kind of find a way to have these two things together and like kind of move forward like i liked how you already told us like ask why like especially when you're talking about your spiritual practice to get more discipline um like do you have any other advice that can maybe help us get like a little bit more discipline and kind of bring both the spirituality and our goals together and in a, like more of a positive way yeah, for me, really, the, the biggest change I experienced in my own practice was when I was able to let go of shame and guilt and those kind of heavy, heavy feelings. When I was doing anything out of that, you know, like if I would choose to eat my veggie burger over the hamburger because I feel so guilty for eating the hamburger, I have now learned that that's the wrong motivation to be a vegetarian because that will backfire 15 years later. You know, mm -hmm. then I will hate all other vegetarians who made me do this and who I will hate the path of vegetarian. And I'll be like, I'll only eat meat now because it, you know, anything you force will swing back the other way with just the same amount of force. Mm. So I really take this, you know, like every time when I fear, feel guilt or shame in any aspect of my life, that's a moment for me to question what I'm doing, you know, to say like, okay, like, is this really who I am? Is this really how I want to live my life? Why is it important? And then the second you can release that and you are a vegetarian or meat eater or meditator or whatever out of love, that's when that energy comes from, you know, the love sits in the heart center then it transforms up into your higher centers, into your higher energy centers. If it's your third eye or your crown chakra, and that's where the real, you know, the real feeling spiritual happens. You know, that that real true reconnection to self. Mm. So when that's when you're saying it's when stuff is coming from love rather than guilt or shame or anything. Yeah, because it will always... It will always backfire. I mean, we have this ability as humans to just force ourselves a certain way just because we have a really powerful mind and you can just like do something. But if, you know, like this is this is one of the struggles uh, soldiers have, you know, like we've been taught since we're children, you should not kill and it's really bad. And then they're being sent out there and they're supposed to kill other people, right? And so in that moment to to just to pull the trigger and kill someone, but really feel guilt for that action, that will backfire. That mm -hmm. will build up. That will really hit you on a deep level. You know, if you can be, you know, if you can transform that into your situation of love, that 
action of killing the other person will not carry any negative energy which comes back to you. you know? And I'm avoiding to use the word karma here because it's so overused. But it's this, you know, like if I have the ability, you know, I'm at my home and someone comes in and tries to harm my family and I can get my hands on the kitchen knife and stop that person and kill them, I can choose to feel guilt about that action or I can choose to feel love around it mm-hmm. and say like, I love that I had the ability to protect these people who otherwise would have all gotten killed. Mm-hmm. I and like... suddenly you have this very different approach, right? Yeah, 100%. And uh, so when you when we talk about taking these actions and seeing if there's guilt or shame or love behind them, is this just a, a way to look at it? Is it just through being aware of it, just trying to become more deeply aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it? Or is there other ways to kind of look at it? Well, the most powerful way is through your self-awareness. And this is something which we practice in Kundalini Yoga deeply in our meditation because it allows you to really become aware of who you are Mm. and what you're feeling and not what you think you should be feeling or what you think you are or who you believe you should be because your parents have raised you a certain way or in society has taught us that being a different way is bad and like these kinds of things right so it really comes back down to okay this is who i am this is my true identity i might not like it or i might love it but that doesn't really make a difference right that's Mm -hmm. like that doesn't change that i have a certain you know, feeling and certain identity around who I am. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very uh, powerful. I like that a lot. And I think that's like something uh, I think a lot of my audience, myself included, can uh, be, try to like uh, put into our life a lot more. Because sometimes it is like we do these spiritual practices, like I like to meditate and like do breath work as well. But sometimes you just kind of do it and then like just move on with your day, not thinking about uh, what like what the deeper meaning about this is. And you're correct. Like you want to connect to yourself and become more aware of like what what's going on all the time. And uh, like you're correct. You should like be able to look at that and then look at your other actions to just be like, why am I doing this? And like, what's the deeper feelings behind this? Yeah. And this is where having a coach comes in really handy because you have a a person to play this off with, Mm. you know, where you're just saying like, okay, I'm confused today because I know I have to do this, but I really don't want to. And I'm feeling like this and my why is over here. And how does it all fit together? And just having another person to, to bounce that off with allows you to really walk away and say, dang, now I really know. And I'm clear on why I'm doing what I'm doing, what I have to do to connect the dots to get from point A to point B. Mm, I like that a lot. All right, Amrit, uh, you were so much fun. Uh, I got one more question for you. It's the question of the podcast. Uh, so Amrit, God, yay or nay? Well, for me, it's definitely God, yay. Because I I do have an issue with the word because I think the word just limits this experience of of something bigger and so for me you know if you say allah or god or my religion has the better god than yours or whatever it is right ultimately 
there is something bigger. There's something which surrounds and connects all of us. And at the same time, there's some connection deep inside myself, which is in touch with all of that. And for me, it's like, I have really experienced that for myself through my practices and through my meditation and through, you know, like through going, walking the path. It's very tricky when someone tells you, oh, and by the way, you should believe in God or you shouldn't believe in God. You know, I think both those people can go somewhere and argue. But for me, <laughs> I want to I wanna have that experience and I want to have that experience of unity, of completeness, of, you know, and like for lack of a better word, I call that God. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, thanks so so much, man. That was a really beautiful uh, end into the podcast. Um, yeah, please let my audience know. I know a lot of people would be very interested in like working with you. Um, let 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 my audience know uh, anything about what you offer, where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, probably the easiest way is just to uh, come have a look at my website. It's under coachingnow.info. And you can just read a little bit about my backstory. And you'll also have the option to book a 30-minute session with me, which I offer for free, to, to just kind of evaluate to see if it would be a match. You know, like, can I help your audience to be a good coach for them? And then we'll identify that. And if they like it, we'll take it further and we'll dive deeper. But I really want to encourage people to to take me up on this offer, you know, it's for free. I'm not going to hard sell you at the end of it. You're not going <laughs> to feel shame and guilt that you don't you know, book me as your coach, but I want to give you the opportunity to experience what it could be like to work with a coach. Oh, that's perfect. I, I like that a lot. Uh, thanks so much, Amrit. And uh, I hope uh, people I'll toss that in the website in the podcast description. So please check it out. And uh, I hope we can do this again, Amrit. This was so much fun. Let's definitely do it again. It was super fun. Thank you for having me. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, newerkidy.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay. <laughs>